Jaw. My name is Chris Shreve, aka C. Shreve the Professor. Welcome to a new episode of Who Needs a Classroom podcast. Thank you to all you folks who've been tuning in every week. Uh, please continue to tell your friends. We are growing nicely, so um, I think they have some kind of thing on Apple where you're really supposed to focus on that first eight weeks of growth, and that helps you to potentially land on some certain page. So thank y'all for uh, helping to spread the word. Anyways, uh, let's get into it. Uh, topic for today is vaccines and how you should not rely on them to save you because this is not going to be something that's going to happen next year or potentially the year after that. Um, so as we get into vaccines, it's good to do a little bit of your homework and check your context. So look up things about polio. Uh, polio's vaccine didn't just magically drop out of the sky in the 1950s. Um, that had a kind of a decade behind it. And so when you look at that, realize this may not just happen overnight. We may be looking at you know, basically endemic disease in the U.S. population for quite some time. You know, we may end up getting to where it's pretty suppressed, but there's a pocket of it over here, you know, in Tennessee, and then there's a pocket that breaks out in the Northwest and so on, um, because Americans seem pretty resistant to the measures that are necessary to keep these numbers down. I think we had uh, a million in less than a week, last week or sometime in the last few days, we kind of, we knocked out a million new cases faster than seven days. We also had more than 12 million cases at this point. Uh, so this is really, really out of control. <clears throat> so other contexts to be helpful for vaccines would be to look at something like HPV, human papillomavirus. That's a more recent um, point of reference. And so it'll give you an idea of how, you know, populations of folks, you know, fear, how fear mongering works among them or how, you know, how they adapt to new research coming out or to things that, you know, show less risk and more health protection, things like that. Maybe look at varicella or chickenpox. That was a mid-90s vaccine. So having current um, points of reference is helpful. And then, you know, kind of having, you know, that classic one of polio is helpful as well. But in all those, don't expect to have this magic vaccine that's perfect next, next year or in the winter. It's still going to be on us to, to kind of save ourselves. We shouldn't be looking for this magic cure to come along. <clears throat> so this came up in class every, every year. We would do presentations at the end of the year, and I would have classes present on vaccine-preventable diseases. So things like measles, things like polio, things like, you know, mumps, rubella, you know, various things that are, again, vaccine-preventable. And so we talked a lot about vaccines, and we would get into the, you know, the, the opinion parts of it or more the research part of it. And my perspective is this, um, any of the diseases with a significant amount of research, and in some cases decades, I mean, bordering you know, half a century worth of, of, of data, um, those are safe, you know. Um, I go, to, go to countries where, you know, widespread inoculation is not present, and if you don't have your shots there, you're really risking something. You don't want hepatitis B. You don't want hepatitis C. You, you don't want these things. So um, those type of vaccines, the ones that have, you know, huge stacks of evidence there and the evidence is not there for something like a statistical correlation um, which isn't even a real cor correlation it's more like a correlation of, of timing of human development that when folks want to say a connection to autism that study that they want to refer to is like what maybe under 12 cases involved in that um, the funding is <laughs> unethical to say the least and it's it's being used to scare folks into believing something that happens really at the same kind of time frame. So you would take your shots usually in the same time frame 
when the signs and symptoms of autism might emerge. So it's kind of one of those correlation things where it's not that the beach makes folks lose weight, it's that folks who like to wear bathing suits sometimes move to the beach. So it's, an, it's more of a correlation. Things happen at the same kind of time. Sometimes that's not cause and effect. Sometimes it's purely just an association or just related to the time frame of that young human growing. <clears throat> so um, I'm very, very pro-vaccine of, of your, you know, all these major ones, you, you know, your um, measles, mumps, rubella, um, again, varicella one. I grew up in, a, in the era of there not being a varicella vaccine. I had chicken pox twice. It was horrible when I was 13. Um, I had homophilus influenza. We have a vaccine for that now. So these vaccines save human life. I think I almost died when I was like, a, like one because of a really, really high fever associated with homophilus influenza. So um, these vaccines are, are lifesavers, but I draw the line at the seasonal flu vaccine. And this is because of a personal experience. I'm kind of just giving you my perspective right now. Um, the stats are there for these, these vaccines that have been around for decades. But the seasonal flu vaccine, from my perspective, yeah, it's building on the research from the last few f- flu seasons, but it's a limited amount of research that goes into this year's current kind of formula or concoction. And when the result rates are like 38%, so basically you're not really protecting yourself. I mean, I can get that kind of reduction of flu by walking my dog twice a day, for real. So that type of thing, when I look at my habits, I'm going to use my habits, my health, my heightened immune system by being you know, a younger male who's active, who has a good body mass index, all those things um, to kind of protect myself as opposed to taking the flu vac, the flu, seasonal flu shot because um, in college, this is kind of a little bit of story time, but um, in college, one of my roommates, um, we had a situation where um, he's playing football in college, and a college sports team sometimes is almost like kind of like a military environment because they can tell you have to do something. And there's not many times in the world where you feel like you have to do it, but in a football team situation when the medical personnel says, you guys all need to take flu shots, everybody did it. And so I think the thinking there was we were going to be under such physical duress you know, during the season or during two-a-days or whatever parts of the – I think it was you know going maybe going to the winter. So during – kind of the heart of the season, they wanted us to be, you know, protected from the flu. So my roommate just happened to have like the one in a thousand reaction or maybe less than that chance, but he happened to have full tilt Guillain-Barre syndrome occur. This ends up being like literal paralysis from the neck down or shoulders down or something like that um, for like a month. This dude lost like 30, 40 pounds, like kind of wasting away. Um, I think was on the ventilator for part of that time. I mean, this this is, you know, a 235-pound linebacker who played football who was, like, 19 years old and, you know, never really, you know, was able to get back on the field like he wanted to. I think he kind of was down for a month, and it really took him, you know, maybe a year to come back, and it was just almost impossible to kind of fully get his feet back under him. And, and I think it was, you know, kind of a touch-and-go situation where, you know, paralysis is nothing, paralysis is nothing to mess around with, so... That was a terrifying experience I saw with, with my roommate in college. And so that kind of really showed me that those one in a thousand, one in 10,000 type chance things can happen, which is scary to, to, to witness. So I realized I have that biased perspective somewhat from kind of that personal anecdote type story. But that also informs some of my perspective because the advantages of that seasonal flu vaccine aren't the same to me that they are for polio or for um 
for these other, you know, vaccines that have much larger bodies of research um, and much more, you know, longitudinal time behind the cohort studies. So when I had to make the decision for my son of what to do vaccines, I was I was okay making the decisions I've made uh, along the along those lines. Where I would talk to his pediatrician and I asked him what his opinions were on seasonal flu vaccines because he knew I was informed from a public health perspective and I, I really was in, in, interested in his perspective. And he really said kind of that I, he had done the same as me for twenty or thirty years, didn't get flu vaccines during for for the you know in seasonal form, and but at a certain point he hit sixty years old or sixty five years old, and he kind of hit that gray area where he had to make the decision. And at this point he was I think sixty five, sixty six, sixty seven, somewhere in there. But he he had made the decision that he was old enough, and maybe potentially frail enough because he wasn't he didn't feel like he was quite as hardy as he was in his youth. He's his BMI was good, but maybe he was thinner and not as quite, you know, as strong. And he was more of a runner, and he felt like he was more vulnerable than he would have been in his earlier years. And he was a, you know, this is a pediatrician, so he's a provide healthcare provider. So he felt that now he would get the seasonal flu vaccine each year because he had kind of shifted. He felt like his exposure level was at a high rate for, for you know, potentially seeing the flu, and that he you know, his immune system maybe wasn't what it used to be. So that was an interesting conversation. But all those have kind of informed my perspective related to vaccines. Um, but those are, I think, should help inform yours. Because I hear a lot of people talking about this or kind of quizzing each other. You're going to take the vaccine? You're going to take it? And, you know, I hear people say, you know, I'll take it when it's safe. Well, that's the process the science goes through, right? You know, we, we're going to, we need it to be safe. Um, my wife is a healthcare provider. She's a nurse. She'll be probably one of the first to have access to it because they want the frontline workers to kind of, be some of the first they try on it because they're going to be exposed immediately. They're already in that dangerous situation. So they know it'll kind of, it'll get quickly tested and quickly, you know, its effectiveness will quickly be put to the test. So she'll end up probably taking it earlier than I would necessarily, probably want her necessarily want her to, but it is what it is. That's life. Um, one of the main points I want to bring though is because every day this is on my kind of current awareness because my, again, my spouse who's a nurse comes home and kind of is wearing it on her sleeve, and we talk about it. So she talks about how, you know, again, how we need to change the way we live. And, and you guys know this. You know we need to wear masks, and you know we need to social distance, but I think we kind of forget about their effectiveness quickly because what's the next new thing? Where's the vaccine? Where's the, the, the new thing that's going to change it? Um, it's kind of like in the health field when you help somebody lose weight. It's not going to be something magical, some new, like, ab crunch machine it's gonna or some new nutritional supplement that has very little documented effectiveness it's gonna be the old standard stuff kind of portion control watching what you eat eating better uh, going to walk the dog first thing in the morning finding ways to be more and more active um, that type of thing but those things are kind of boring they're not as sexy as like the new diet the south beach diet or the you know the you know caveman diet whatever you want to call it it's it, half of its marketing and so those new things they have a good short-term benefit, but oftentimes they don't stick. We need the stickiness stuff, like the permanent behavior change that's really going to help you to get where you're going. So when we look at this, this is, again, it's almost as difficult as weight change, if not weight change, if not more, but it's, it's America kind of as a community changing. So the business is changing how they operate. Can they become more friendly for drive-up service or delivery service. You know, the, co the companies that can will thrive. The ones that can't will probably die off. You know, how do musicians figure this out? If live shows were your bread and butter, how do you change? How do you fix that? Um, um, you know, if you're a very social being, as many of us are, and that's kind of how humans are, how do we 
how do we end up being social? How do we go have get-togethers with our friends if it's Thanksgiving coming up? How do we make that happen in a safe fashion? Can we? Can we not take a year off? Are we, gonna, are we willing to do that on Christmas? Is the American way of life flexible enough to handle this? We shall see. <clears throat> um, bottom line, this isn't going to go away. Me and my wife were talking the other night and, and kind of having a discussion without my son around and kind of really getting into the heart of this, these discussions and talking about some of the difficult parts of it. And she kind of said, I think we've gone past the point of no return. And I said, well, what does that mean? I was kind of trying to think, what is that? I think so too, but what does that mean? And my brain, my public health brain immediately said, I think that means that we have endemic disease in the U.S. population for the next maybe 10 years, five years, 10 years. It's just going to hang out. Like I said earlier, it's going to kind of bubble up in, in this region or that region and kind of float around. But how do you stop something that we're kind of unwilling to to put forth the true community effort to stop. So not going anywhere. Um, one of the theories I wanted to get into that looks kind of appropriate for this disease is um, diffusion of innovations. So when you look at something like mask wearing, um, how fast does the population willingly adopt it? With something like social distancing, something like the simple arrows at the grocery store, how fast do folks adopt it? The early ones to adopt it would be your innovators. If you're looking at the YouTube copy, look at the little chart over my shoulder. Uh, the innovators would be the early part of the population to adopt it. And then quickly after that, you would have uh, what your, your, early, your early adopters. So you'd have innovators and early adopters. So these are folks kind of ahead of the curve. They, they, these folks might be the ones who would get the brand new iPhone, maybe. It's like sometimes that, that idea carries over, but they also might be the first person to try something else new. It might be a bad behavior. So folks who like new things, it doesn't always serve as an advantage. I mean, sometimes folks might be the first ones to try the vaccine and those first doses might not be as safe as the later version. So some folks might wait and see, and that might be advantageous. So sometimes it depends on what you're getting. Um, on the other end of the spectrum, we'll have folks that will lag behind. We call them the laggards. They'll be on the last part of the curve, um, kind of post-majority. Um, so we get to see how does something like, you know, this big change for businesses, how does that float through different, you know, kind of parts of the I don't know, kind of the, the ladder of, of kind of capitalism or if it's the social structure or if it's, you know, how whatever, you know, the ripples that flow through our school systems, whatever it might be, you know, different school systems are going to be more aggressive than others. Different businesses are more proactive than others. So you see it's kind of a, a litmus test for how are you? Are you more of an innovator? Are you more skeptical and you lag behind? Where do you fall on that on that perspective of 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 this new thing that's kind of diffusing through our population, right? So if we had a vaccine this innovation, this new thing, as it diffused through the population, as it became more widespread, you know, how soon would you adopt it? Would you adopt it early? Would you jump right on that on that that bandwagon? Would you wait for a couple, you know, would you not jump on the beta version? Would you wait for, you know, 2.0? What's what's your kind of, you know, tendency right there? So that's a that's a, a good theory to look at. Look at up diffusion of innovations. That's a theory that relates to a lot of what we're dealing with in the US right now. <clears throat> Um, we will one day return to quote unquote normal. Um, I really hope we will. I'm a rapper. I want to be able to go to bars and rap. I mean, kind of my bread and butter situation is not this huge theater space. It's kind of the tra traditional bar space, you know, 200 person bar quote bar slash venue with a little stage or sometimes not a stage. And I want to be able to destroy that environment. I mean, you know, kill it. <laughs> um, and there's, those are everywhere, but is that going to exist anymore? And I think it will, but 
that normal is a ways away. So is that two years, three years, four years? When does that normal resume and, and in a safe form and fashion? So I think it will get here, but I don't think we should expect it, you know, this next tour season. And that's how I'm, I'm looking at trying to figure out long-term moves that I can handle short-term or whatever that looks like. Um, so I think, you know, we are going to have a normal, but it might be 10 years away. It might be five, eight, somewhere in there years away. So we have to be prepared for that. And those who can somehow weather that storm are going to be the ones who will probably come out the other side and find kind of a feast situation because it's going to be difficult for a long time. And then when it does finally open up, you know, people are going to be just really wanting to come to those live events and they're not going to take them for granted the way they may have previously. <clears throat> Um, one thing with the vaccine kind of in, in its current form as it's advancing, you have to think about the difficulties that arise between populations and wanting to follow recommendations. We've already seen that. And so when, when there's a recommended vaccine that says you need to take this, this is recommended by the CDC, by the NIH, whoever, um, the compliance issue, who's going to follow directions, who's really going to get on board with it, That's that matters. You know, how many folks actually, you know, follow through with your recommendation. Um, bottom line is the form that it comes in will also affect that. So if you have one dose as opposed to a series or boosters or some situation like, like that, that affects your follow through even more. So maybe this made the folks with less follow through were able to get the first one, but then they got extra skeptical and kind of buyer's remorse and then didn't go for the next one. So they really didn't get full effectiveness or maybe effectiveness at all, depending on how it, how it breaks down. Um, so that's going to become an issue. What is the actual scenario with the vaccines? I think it's looking like multiple doses is, is where the first one might be. And so that, is, that, that issue alone, you know, with patient education, do folks understand they have to have the second one? Do they understand it's you know, not optional or that it's um, not going to be near as effective? Do they understand how that works? And so that gets into many things related to health communication and just the public health messaging process. Um, other things kind of I wanted to hit, and kind of the main take-home point I wanted to hit here is, is that vaccines take time, especially for effective, safe ones. And so we shouldn't be looking at this like that's going to be the savior here. This needs to be a, a matter of personal choices. I mean, you taking the vaccine will be one choice when it comes eventually. But outside of that, I'm trying to say the vaccine is not going to be the savior that you think it is. So you need to find other ways to protect yourself. So this is up to us to make the decision to not go to spring break after this ridiculous winter of horrible numbers. Don't think just because it gets warm outside and because you can that you should go to spring break. We know some young people will. Young people are notoriously difficult to help convey risk to um, because they feel bulletproof. Young people like to drive faster. Young people like to experiment the drugs more. Young people enjoy kind of more promiscuity related to um, their love life. You know, younger people tend to make riskier decisions. And so how do we convey to this younger group that it's real, it's dangerous, that you guys, even though maybe your health is up here, maybe your grandmother's isn't, and that we're all kind of connected in this kind of world neighborhood. So we have to make these decisions. The current one of this week will be Thanksgiving. Are you going to say, ah, screw that. I'm just going to have, you know, 20 people over and, you know, and just kind of flout it. Or, or you, are you, some people are trying, are you going to create a bubble where everybody gets a test and they isolate, then we get together, you know, are you just going to stay home? Simplify it. For me, a lot, of time, a lot of my brain, is the way my brain works is to simplify it. Instead of saying, let's make a safe show and worry about all the details of a show, I'm not having shows. That's the safest one. 
I shouldn't be inviting folks to an environment where they can get together and endanger themselves. That doesn't make any sense. So I'm not going to do that. Um, I encourage all artists to think long and hard before you do shows right now. It doesn't make sense. So let's see other things. Youth sports is one that's a get together. Why are we playing youth sports at all? Um, I get that your kids, you want to have these experiences. Had the experience of going to play soccer with your son. Like just do backyard football. We're at home, right? Find a way to play. Today we played ten. I taught him tennis for like the second time and he skateboarded. Last time he was on a skateboard, he broke his arm, um, which was not great, but he got back on today. And, you know, it puts the kind of the responsibility on parents to make these decisions. And I don't think youth sports have the the relevance with widespread disease that they that folks are, are thinking they do. Um, I love sports. Sports taught me a lot of lessons in life, but I also teach health. I also know about public health and I know what a million cases in a week looks like. I know what the half a mil, half a, mm, it's going to be half a billion cases by the end of this winter, right? 500, oof, or no, half a million, sorry, half a billion, thank God. Half a million, 500,000 cases is what we're going to have at the end of this winter. We're going to, you know, maybe next summer be at, you know, what, 600, 750. Are we going to end up at a million U.S. deaths? You know, is that going to happen? And that's on us. We have got to, to handle it. I mean, I think Trump's liable too, but we have had to have learned to tune him out long ago. That is an idiot. You have to learn to tune out the village idiot and move forward in ways that make sense because science is important here. Um, Evidence-based research is going to get you out of this. You have to figure out what works, not just take guesses and throw darts at the, at the wall and just hope something sticks. Um, um, I got anything else here? Uh, yeah, bottom line, just learn to change your behavior. This is not going away anytime soon. There will not be this magical vaccine that just goes, oh, it's gone. It's not going to be one day this fake news is turned off. No, this is real. The idea that the 200 and what's probably 60,000 deaths as of press time, something like that, are faked. Do you know how difficult of a conspiracy that would be to pull off? Death certificates for a quarter of a million people, uh, all of them to have kind of four family members internet, a medical staff internet. I mean, you're quickly headed towards, you know, two million people in this conspiracy. And that magnitude gets very difficult to maintain or to pull off an illusion of. So get out of here with that. I mean, come on now. I realize y'all got a conspiracy theory president, um, but it's fun to run with pretending you know something that we don't know, but put your fucking mask on because some of us have family members who are nurses on the front line, okay? Put your mask on, wait back at the door when somebody goes in and out of it. It's not difficult, okay? Wash your hands a lot, carry hand sanitizer. This stuff is not that difficult, okay? If you have to be out there, if you are a worker who is out there kind of in the field, I applaud you. I know you're providing for your family. I know you're... Um, your occupation is relevant and necessary in our society, and I applaud you. But please protect yourself. Please. There are young people who get this and die within 72 hours. Old folks, too. Old folks we think are healthy. It's, this is not cool. All right? Stop playing around. Stop celebrating your 30th birthday out there with, like, 20 people partying. Come on. This is, this is act like an adult time. Right. This is on us to handle it. Okay. 
So do not expect a vaccine to save you here. Okay. If we refine and it comes out within two years, I'll be amazed and applauding our scientists around the world. But I know the history of this and you should look at the history of this. Okay. So wear your mask, distance yourself, and don't forget to do the other health basics. Get your sleep, reduce your stress when possible. Cause it's difficult. It's, there's a lot of stress on our shoulders and weighing on us. Um, so get your exercise to burn that off. Eat good food. That's what you're built of. Okay. You got to do those basic things. Find a way to create some social interaction. You know, FaceTime folks, find a way to, to not feel so alone. And in the wintertime that can be difficult with these long, you know, kind of long, cold nights. Okay. So hang in there, y'all. Um, be back next week with some new shenanigans to talk about. But um, when the vaccine comes along, you know, if they say, well, are you going to take it? Well, I'm going to see what happens. I'm probably not taking the beta version. I probably won't be in cohort one, but unfortunately with the way it works, my wife probably will be. So I'll have a perspective on that. For me, I need to see it work a few runs. You know, I'm a skeptic kind of scientific mindset off the rip. So I'm probably not going to be cohort one. That's kind of my, my response, but safe and effective at some point. We see some data, some numbers, which will happen faster than normal because the world needs this, so the numbers are going to get run through. Mass cohorts will happen pretty quickly. So if you wait, you know, three months, six months after that first one, you'll quickly have an idea of how it's affecting folks, especially if you're worried about negative reactions or being one of the one in a thousand cases, as sometimes I'm worried about um, for my, me and my loved ones type of thing. So uh, thank you all for hanging out. Uh, who needs a classroom? You know, man, we need it more than ever, right? Um, folks need to learn. Folks need to um, be critical thinkers. Uh, don't just watch some channel and think that, oh, that's what it is. That's what it, do some research. That's why I tell y'all, you should look up polio. You should look up varicella. You should look up HPV. You should do your due diligence so you have an informed perspective, right? So you need a classroom just like I need a classroom. Let's learn together. Uh, thank y'all kindly. See y'all next week. Peace. Thank you.